Before I get to my next guest, Tom Patry, I want to talk to you about our friends over at Adele Golf. Have you been custom fit for your putter or even for your wedges? Adele Golf is the industry leader in scoring club fitting. Their putter fitting system is the most complete putter fitting system in golf. The EAS line of putters can get your putting dialed in. Also check out their swing match system wedges with weight adjustability to make sure your wedges are truly fit to your swing. Go to AdeleGolf.com and schedule your fitting today. I also want to give a shout out to our friends over at Squares Golf. Are you like me, always considering new golf equipment, maybe a new driver? Well, let me reset your thinking because I discovered Squares Golf Shoes. The patented Squares Toe provides balance, stability, and a wider base for increased connection to the ground, effectively increasing your swing speed by 2.2 miles per hour and an average of 9 yards of distance. Independent testing proves it. That's right. It's proven in science. Go to squares.com, get the Squares 30-day money-back guarantee, and use promo code DISTANCE to get $20 off. Remember, distance comes from swing speed, and swing speed comes from your connection to the ground. Squares, the distance golf shoe. All right, now back with me is our resident director of instruction, Tom Patrick. Tom is back up in Charlottesville, Virginia, for his second year at Farmington Country Club. So if you're in Virginia, West Virginia, or the Washington, D.C. areas, go see Tom there and take your game to a whole new level this summer, folks. If you can't go see him in person, download the V1 video app and send Tom videos of your golf swing. He can help get you dialed in through the app. Please check out his website, TomPatry.com, and give him a follow on Twitter and Instagram, at TomPatryGolf. Don't forget to subscribe to his YouTube channel, where you can watch nearly 150 free video playing lessons. Tom is also a member of the Titleist Leadership Advisory Board, and he's back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, TB, how are you, my friend? Christy, boy! <laughs> there we go. Tom, how are you? Sitting here, Chris, at the, in my apartment in Farmington and, uh, in Charlottesville, and I'm watching your favorite team, the Yankees, crash oh, the California Angels. Crash <laughs> them. Yeah, that's nice. Good for you. Glad I'm not oh, watching. I'm sure, I'm sure you... You're, I'm sure you're tuned in while you're doing the show, right? Aren't yeah, you? you know me. I'm what a Yankee fan I am. Go Red Sox. <laughs> Tom, we haven't spoken since the PGA Championship, and uh, I want to get your thoughts on what we saw there. I always hate when a tournament is more lost than won. What are your thoughts about what happened to Mito Pereira down the stretch and how the tournament ended up? Well, not, not only Mito, but how about, how about uh, Mr. Young on 16 with the double and, and then you know, obviously made that terrible swing off the AT&T. It looked like, it looked like me on 18, <laughs> gagging and just make, making a wild-looking crash at it out the right field there and just make a double. Just, uh, you know, I mean, we, we, we kind of texted back and forth, you and I, earlier today, Chris. Did, did, you know, did, did JT win it? Did Mito lose it? What happened? Well, it was a combination of both, really. But you can't, you can't uh, take away from how well Justin Thomas played the last day. but. Certainly, you know, that, that, that young South American was in control stand on AT&T. He just has to put the bat on the ball and get it in play and, and finish the hole, and he wins a major. It's, you know, you hate to see that happen to a young guy like that. You hate to see it happen to anybody because if you're a professional, you've been there yourself, you've had those experiences. It's, it's not something that goes away very easily. So to that point, Tom, 
Does it take any of the shine off JT's win that he didn't actually go out and win it? It more fell to him, or does the fact that he ended up in a playoff, so he still had to win it on some level, he he and Will Zalatoris go at it. Does that make it feel no, I better? I, I don't think it takes anything away because, you know, it's a 72-hole golf term. You have to finish all 72 holes, you know, and Amino finished 71 holes. He didn't finish 72, and JT finished 72 plus some. So I don't think it takes anything away. Um, it certainly, it certainly uh, you know, he played marvelous golf the last day, you know, shot a nice score the last day, and then and played unbelievable in the, in, in the three-hole aggregate, you know, you know, played a two-under. So, you know, he, he won the golf tournament, but, uh, there's always going to be that little asterisk next to, uh, next to the finish of that event or any event like that when somebody stumbles that badly coming in. Tom, Tiger made the cut just like he did at the Masters, but also like he did at Augusta. His third round was about as bad as we've seen Tiger play at any point in his career. He shot 79, and if it wasn't for a nearly 40-foot birdie putt late in the last round, or his third round, because obviously he withdrew. But if it wasn't for that birdie putt, he shoots 80. He was clearly in a lot of pain, walking both at Augusta National and Southern Hills. We've got the country club outside of Boston coming up in a few weeks for the U.S. Open, so more hills. What are your thoughts on where and when Tiger should try to tee it up again? You know, Chris, well, we talked about this last time a little bit. Every time I... Anytime any of us, you know, you know, put him for dead, he comes up, he comes back and pulls a rabbit out of the hat. But we've seen two events now in a row where he really, really struggled physically. Um, it's, um, it's almost, it's almost hard to watch if you, if you're in the business yeah. and, and you're, and you're close, and you're close to the business. It's, uh, it's, it's not, it's really, you know, and, and I've been, I've been on the Tiger Wagon and off the Tiger Wagon in my, in my time. Um, and you're almost on the wagon, almost not just pulling for him, just for that one more, that one more shining moment. But it sure is hard to watch, and 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 I just don't see him physically get much better. He uh, he seems like he's in incredible pain at times. Um, you gotta admire him for wanting to try and go out there and gut it out, but I don't, I don't see it, Chris. I mean, I, I don't see. The country I played the country club. I don't see that as a as a particularly easy walk necessarily. Um, and, and then you know we all look at St Andrews as being a much flatter venue, um, and hopefully in somewhat cooler temperatures, and maybe it makes more sense. But I, I don't know how competitive it really is because we haven't seen we haven't seen any real real competitive golf out of out of him yet this year. Tom, switching over to the Champions Tour. Steven Alker has gone from a guy who was going through Monday qualifiers just to get a spot in tournaments to being a guy who has now won three times since the beginning of April, including the senior PGA championship this past weekend. He's won three of his last five events. And then the other two, oh, by the way, he finished second and third. He's becoming a heck of a player out there. Yeah, it's, it's incredible how some of these guys who turned 50, um, who were, listen, he, he's, he's always been a good player, but he's never been a great player. Um, and, and he's, he's been kind of a journeyman in the, in the game. He's played, you know, a lot of places all over the world, scratching and clawing at the game. And all of a sudden you turn 50 and, and you have this incredibly miraculous run. We've seen, you know, he go way, way back. Uh, maybe you're too young. There's a guy named Jim Alvis, who's a club pro in Long Island who, you know, won a senior major and was out there. Larry Reddy, when he was senior open, had never won a 
never won an event as a club pro in the Mets section and wins the U.S. Senior Open. Uh, you know, Scott Perel was working for UPS and you now Stephen Alka comes along and is playing some incredibly beautiful golf. Um, it's like you give these guys a second chance. Doug Barron, same situation, perennial mini tour player, really, with a couple of little stints here and on the PGA tour, but no success. And now won a couple of times out there. It's what makes the senior tour so much fun to watch. I mean, I, I think it makes, you know, you, you know, we, we know about Freddie Couples. We know about Bernard Langer. We know about guys who are, you know, household names, but these other guys that pop up, some great, great storylines, man. And, and just play, Alka's playing just wonderful golf right now. Tom, switching gears a little bit. One of the things I've always wondered about with respect to putting is Jack Nicholas may be the best putter of all time. He locks his wrist and pulls the putter straight back and then pushes the ball essentially down the target line. Yet you never see anyone copy his putting style. Why do you think that is? You know, Chris, you know, if you and I went to a PGA Tour event tomorrow and we stood on a practice screen, we, you know, the, the worst putter on the PGA Tour is better than the best putter in any club I've ever worked. And, and people, you know, criticize, you know, Freddie's not a very good putter or, or this guy's not a good putter on tour. And I kind of laugh at that because the worst putter on the PGA Tour is, is better than the best putter at any country club in this country. Um, you know, and they're all, we walked out of the we stood on the putting green, we'd see so many different styles, you know, so many different things going on, cross-handed, ball grip, pencil grip, you know, uh, arm lock. You know, it, it's, it's, it's almost like there's a, it's like, you know, a variety pack out there now where it used to be very, very standard, very, very traditional. That's all changed. It's like flavor of the week. Um, Jack definitely had a unique style. You know, he got very open. His head was way behind the golf ball. Um, and, and like you said, kind of felt like he was pushing it down the target line. Um, Gary kind of was a pop stroke. Arnold was very knock-kneed. Uh, Casper was very risky. You know, it, it's a very individual part of the game. It's a very, very feel-sensitive part of the game, and you got to find out what works for you. The thing that really puzzles me, Chris, more than anything, is we go back to that great year, several years back, that Jordan Spieth had. We all remember that he hit a lot of putts, you know, looking at the hole. And he putted beautifully that year, and he was spectacular from 10 feet in, spectacular, uh, and looking at the hole. And he's gone away from that, and he's never gone back to it. How do you, how do you have that kind of success with a method and just abandon it and never go back there and, and do that again? I don't understand that at all. Maybe you can explain that to me. <laughs> no, because that's the next thing I wanted to ask you about. Because to your point, back in 2015, he made everything he looked at, particularly everything. from inside of everything. 20 feet. And now we're all nervous if he's got a one-footer let alone a 20-footer. Yeah. I mean, this season, he's 173rd in shots gained putting. In 2015, he was second. If he's your student, what are you telling him? Well, if, he, if, he's, your, if he's my student, Kristen, you know, I, I got to tell you, I, I don't want to, you know, listen, he's got a coach, and, and you got to be very careful as, as, a, as a person in this business not to inflict or, or contradict or criticize other coaches because obviously he's a very talented kid and, and, and Cameron McCormick has done a great job with him. But I don't understand for the life of me how you don't sit down and look at film from 2015. And, and you know what's really amazing, Chris? 
you'll still see him make 20 and 30 footers. But to your point, 10 feet and in, it, 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 it's, it's, yeah, I almost have to turn my head away. It's scary, it's scary sometimes to watch what he, he does. And like you said, particularly two and three footers, awful. And those are the putts he was making all the time. Those, those, those short expectation putts he was making all the time looking at pole. So you don't go back to 2015, look at the film and say, Hey, how do I get away from that? Why, why don't I go back there? Cause I was really good at that. And that was like rock solid. I don't understand. I don't, I don't get it. I, I really don't get it at all. Tom, I want to go back to your playing career in the 70s and 80s when you were in why college. Would you, and... Why would you? Why would you? Why would you possibly do that? <laughs> so I don't want to talk about how well you played, but I want to talk about one of the things that we we talk about a lot on this show and, and around the in the industry is. We talk about the golf ball and advances in technology and the equipment and that sort of thing. But one of the things we don't talk enough about is how the course conditions were different then to now. Oh Gary, players come oh on this God. show and even talked about it at Augusta National, where we think everything has always been beautiful and perfect. But he talked about how bumpy the greens were and how long the grass was on the greens and that sort of thing. Talk about what the playing conditions were like that you saw and you played on in the 70s and 80s versus what you see course conditions playing like now? Well, Chris, it, it, it's, it's hard to explain to somebody today, like one of my college kids today, one of my really good junior players, or even my, my you know, my, I have a kid on the Latin American tour right now, my corn fairy type guys. It's so hard to explain to these youngsters how much better the agronomy is from T to green, and especially on green. I'll tell you what, how about bunker conditions? How about fringe, how about fringe grass? How about, how about tight runoff areas around the green where you can now putt almost from anywhere at times, uh, put a putter in your hand if you want to. Um, it, it's, it's so hard to explain to people today, especially the competitive players say, how, and we, and by the way, Chris, we didn't think back then that it was crappy. We, we thought it was great back then. In respect to other places, you know, we played in some conditions that today would be unacceptable. That today, in that day, was was fine. It was great. That's all we knew, you know. But when you compare apples to apples from today back to, let's say, my senior in college when I won my NCAA, uh, and the conditions we played in, it's it's not even close. And 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 I'll tell you what, you put that together with the golf ball. You get the events in, in shafts and club heads and, and club design. The golf ball and the putting surfaces change the whole playing field. Everything's radically different, radically. Um, you know, and, and I, and I always fancy myself as a pretty good competitive putter. But, you know, I, I and I try to work every day. I go out and putt every day. Chris, now at work before, after I, after my lessons, uh, and Farmington just built a brand new monstrous, monstrous practice green it's probably an acre in size it's just a fun like like kind of like what they did at pinehurst and it's in great condition not good just great condition and i was out there putting this evening and i was kind of thinking about what you just asked me this thing was so smooth and and, and so perfect you just felt like you could roll the ball in the hole every time if you did something it was an accident it didn't go in um we've, we've come late years it's incredible it's incredible and one of the things you made mention of, Tom, is bunker play, right? Because back in the day, 
It wasn't always a rake. It was you, you slid your shoe across, your spikes across the ground to rake the bunkers, right? And a lot of times now, guys would prefer to be in a bunker versus somewhere off the green. But talk about that a little bit. Well, it's funny. You know, a lot of, a lot of my kids say to me, you know, I got this bad line in the third round. I got this bad line in the bunker. I said, you're not entitled to a good line in a hazard, you know? <laughs> Nobody said you're entitled to a good lie in a hazard. So stop bitching. I mean, <laughs> you know, I remember getting in some bunkers, you know, during my college golf days, and there weren't a lot of rakes on the golf course, and you'd smooth the rake out with your, with like you said, with your footer, with your club coming out of the bunker, uh, and conditions were less than pristine. But you never thought twice about it because, again, we never thought you were entitled to a good lie in a bunker. You walk in bunkers now, and very rarely isn't the condition of the bunker and the sand, type of sand, uh, just absolutely perfect. It, it, you know, and I, I like it in bunker shots. I've always liked it in bunker shots, the creativity of it. And it kind of goes back to my time I spent with Chevy. But it, it just seems like it's so much easier now to hit a bunker shot to me. And then you get the advent of the, of the, of the sandwich and the advancement, the advancement in the grinds and the, the bounces and things like that. The, the addition of six degrees loft or more um, in comparison to, you know, what we played with. You couldn't get a wedge that had any more off than 55 degrees on it, and the, and the bounce configurations were so, so you know, old-schoolish or, or antiquated by today's standards. Um, so much easier. It's not even funny. It's not even funny. So let's take that a, a step further, Tom. We all, all like to argue about who the greatest player is of all time, and typically that comes down between Tiger and Jack. But if Jack had the course conditions, the equipment, the golf ball, all those things of today, how many of those 19 seconds become a first? Well, I mean, Jack's record was second place finishes. Chris is of God. I mean, people talk about, you know, Tiger's majors and chasing Jack. Uh, and certainly we're taking nothing away from Tiger. I think he's the greatest player that walked on the planet. But in terms of major record, not only is Jack ahead of him in wins, but second place finishes, Tiger isn't even on the radar screen compared to Jack. Uh, it's unbelievable how many seconds, thirds, fourths, and top fives Jack Nichols had majors. I mean, and how many more with one roll of the golf ball, you know, and once the hole, he would have won. I mean, it's insane, absolutely insane what the guy did, you know, major in and major out during his career. Um, he just, just a phenomenal record. He doesn't get enough credit uh, in this discussion for those top fives. And in particular, like you said, Chris, great point on your part. Once again, Chris Mascaro does his homework. The second place finishes are off the chart. Tom, speaking of bunkers, I want to go back and I want to get a playing lesson from you about how to hit a good fairway bunker shot. So let's let's say we're we're somewhere north of 130 yards out and we need to hit a good bunker shot. How do we how do we set up? How do we hit that so we either don't chunk it and it barely gets out or we end up thinning it and leaving it in the bunker because we hit the lip. Chris, Chris do you have Venmo? I do. Hey, just just send me just send me some money. <laughs> Can't get this, get this right over here. <laughs> 
You know, it's funny. Someone said you're a top instructor, and occasionally we like to get tips on this show. Maybe you've heard that. I don't know. <laughs> you know, fairway bunker shot serves two purposes in my teaching. One, to learn how to hit a fairway bunker shot. But the guy who has trouble in his iron game in general and hitting the low point in the golf swing, you know, the low point, I take him into a fairway bunker all the time as a drill. Because if you can hit a fairway bunker shot correctly, you can be a better iron player on grass. So people who don't hit good fairway bunker shots tend to move around too much, move off the ball, move out of center. They try to swing too aggressively and get out of tempo. Um, they don't have a lot of stability in their footwork. So to hit a good bunker shot, you've got to be very stable in your base. Okay, you've got to stay very, very centered. And you've got to get the club to find the low point every time which is the number one thing, I think, in hitting good shots. People say to me all the time, does, does, does contact come first or does direction come first? Well, contact comes first because without contact, you can't control direction. People say, well, I went a little bit right, I went a little bit left. I said, well, how was contact? He goes, well, it was a little bit off. Well, of course it was a little bit off. Because if you can't hit the center of the club face, you can't control the golf ball. So when you get in a fairway bunker, you know, First thing, you have to evaluate the lie, but you have to have stable footing. So I like my people to get their feet in the sand and get dug in just a little bit. And depending on how much you dig in, you know, in other words, you lower your center, you have to choke down on the club a little bit, both to accommodate that change in level between you, your body, and where the club's going to bottom out. So choke down. The other thing choking down on the club does is you a little bit more control of the club face. And then in making the golf swing, you know, if, if the lip is not a factor, if the lip is not a factor, I try to take a little bit more golf club and make a little bit more controlled golf swing and tempoed golf swing. And last but not least, and probably the most important, you want to stay very centered when you're making your motion. Tom, a little bit later on tonight, our mutual friend Damon Hack will be back on the show. I know you do the some big, work with Damon on his golf swing. Attack. Talk about him. Damon Hack is probably one of the finest gentlemen I've ever met in my journey, Chris. Um, we've become good friends. He came to a mutual friend of both yours and mine, a good friend of mine, Bob Ford. Uh, Damon tells the story that he played Oakmont with a member in his early golf career, and he was, uh, by admission, uh, less than stellar. And he had lunch with Bob Ford at Oakmont after the round. And, you know, was, you know, hemming and hawing about, you know, wanting to get better. And, and Ford, he asked him where he lived. He said he lived in New York. And Ford recommended he came, came, come to see me at the time at Friar's Head. And he did. And we've been good friends ever since. And one of the finest gentlemen, as you know, Chris, you're ever going to meet. And the guy who is a golf addict absolutely has drank the Kool-Aid big time uh, and fallen in love with the sport, which is so much fun as a teacher when, you have a student that's that passionate about getting better and loves it that much. Um, it's it's so much more fun for, for the teacher. But uh, another guy, just like yourself, Chris, who I think really does his homework. He's a bright guy. He's an articulate guy. His background as, as a journalist shines through in everything he does. He's a detailed guy um, and, and one of my all-time favorites, as you are. So, I mean... What a great combination for the show tonight to have two guys as talented as you two on at the same time talking about the sport we love. I appreciate that very much. 
TP, before I let you go, remind our listeners again how they can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing and come see you this summer uh, where you're located up there in Charlottesville, uh, Virginia. Chris, so all my information is on uh, is at TomPatry.com, my website, and then Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and then that YouTube channel has just been been a lot of fun. It's been growing up and exploding a little bit. I got, I think, like you said, about 150 videos on there now. We're about to film a bunch more this summer uh, to add to that list. Uh, so that's been fun. Um, but more importantly, and I always do this, I try to do whatever I remember, and I try to never forget this. Everybody out there listening, we should be thanking you, not you thanking us, pal, because you do a hell of a job. You're my favorite talk on, on, on the air. Um, you do your homework. You're, you're one of all of us who come on and, and we commiserate when we're off and behind your back, we talk about you only, only with <laughs> reverence, pal. You're, you're, you're so good at what you do and, and we really enjoy being a part of your show. I love you, my friend. I can't thank you enough for coming back and being a part of the show. Look forward to catching up with you again in a couple of weeks. In between now and then, stay safe. Hey, Chris, make sure you tell Hack I said hi. I will absolutely do it. TP, I love you, Thanks, my friend. Bye. Take care. We'll catch up soon. Bye, buddy. Stop See you, man. That is the great Tom Patry. Follow him on social media at Tom Patry Golf, and then on his website, like he said, TomPatry.com. Great stuff. And then that YouTube channel. Folks, I went out there before I went to Macklemore, looked at a whole bunch of them, and fortunately for, for my score, I did. I kind of got out, like I say, got a little sketchy front nine, but, you know, as I started to slow my mind down and think back to some of the videos that Tom had and, uh, you know, kind of adjusted my grip a little bit, kind of adjusted some of my swing tempo a little bit, really used that. And he talked about it again tonight, kind of clubbed, you know, clubbed up a little bit, but, you know, got my swing instead of going all out, doing a kind of a three quarter swing so I could control the golf ball in myself a little bit better. That made all the difference over the last 27 holes. So, like I said at the top of the show, thank you, Tom Patrick, for helping me uh, from a strategy perspective uh, play some of my best golf over 27 holes over the last few years. Love TP. He'll be back with us again in a few weeks. Before I get to my next guest, Jeff Tracy, I want to remind you about a couple of our sponsors, starting with our friends over at Two Under. Two Under Men's Performance Briefs have just released their new Spring and Summer 22 collections with fun, new, and exciting prints like the Freedom 2 and 3, Santa Fe, Tigers, Zebras, and Duckies. And their new exclusive Folds of Honor collection, where they donate 20% of all Folds of Honor sales proceeds to that cause. The patented Joey Pouch technology delivers maximum comfort, fit, and performance while preventing any unwanted skin-on-skin contact or chafing. Good for anything from the golf course, to the boardroom, to the bedroom. You can find these two underperformance briefs in over 4,000 golf pro shops nationwide. All Shields Sports Stores, all PGA Tour Superstores, Golf Galaxy, Dillard's, and other fine retailers near you. You can also order them online at 2under.com. That's the number 2, U-N-D-R.com. 2under, performance in your pants. Use code NEXTT20, that's N-X-T-T-E-E-20, for a 20% discount on the 2under website. also want to give a shout out to our friends over at Golf Pride. In golf, light grip pressure releases power. Golf Pride engineered a secret the pros know. A larger lower hand encourages lighter pressure. Plus 4 technology is designed with 4 additional layers, which reduces tension in the lower hand to generate more power. 
Play Plus 4, and release the secret that pros know. Now available on Tour Velvet, the winningest grip on Tour. Grip confidence, grip golf pride. Okay, now next on the tee with me is Jeff Tracy. Like Tucker Booth, who joined me on the bonus edition of the show a couple of days ago, Jeff is another great friend that I've gotten to know over Twitter. He was kind enough to ask me to be a guest on his great show, Grilling at the Green, a few months ago. We had a lot of fun, so I wanted to get Jeff to join me over here on this show. You can hear him and the Grilling at the Green show, plus his other show, Barbecue Nation, on AM860 up in Portland, Oregon, as well as on Amazon Music. Check him out online at thecowboycook.com. And I'm very excited Jeff is with me and next on the tee. Hey, Jeff, thanks for coming on the show. 